Welcome to the Writer's Block. I am your host, Jennifer Harris, freelance writer, blogger, and indie author. The Writer's Block exists to give resources, tools, and visibility to other indie authors, especially minority writers, writers of color, and black writers. Let this podcast serve as a haven for all of you who need light in these dark times and who may not have a soft place to fall just yet. Even for those of you who have a desire to write and need support to keep going. Get your pens, get your paper, we're about to circle the block. Hello again, dear ones. It is Jen Harris, your fearless leader, and I'm excited about our next author interview that is airing today. She is from the beautiful, rich, colorful city of New Orleans, or as those of us who have a southern draw would say, New Orleans, Louisiana. And she is indeed a light and a wonder to behold. Kay Brown is one of those authors that, dare I say, and should I remind, that you should be aware of. She has been a joy and indeed a light. And here on the Writer's Block, you know that we are a fan of indie authors, especially black indie authors. So the next voices you will hear are myself interviewing the beautiful, dynamic, and talented Miss Kay Brown about her book, Truth, Love. Good morning, Kay. How are you? Good morning. I'm good. How are you? I am fabulous now. I just want you to know that I thank you for coming on the podcast and I am excited to dive deep into this work that you have created, dear one. I am so, so excited. Um, Thank you. I'm excited too. Yes. And uh, even in reading over the synopsis and reading over the bio, I am intrigued and all I know is if this is is this your is this is this your first book or is this going to be a series of books this is the first of a trilogy Ooh, I had a feeling so for those so for the listening public who whom soon are going to get a taste of this gumbo as it were as it relates (laughs) to as it relates to your work and the magic that you've put on that you've put on the page let the people know who you are I am author Kay Brown. I am from New Orleans, Louisiana, if the accent didn't give me away. I have an associate's degree in arts, concentration in journalism, so I've been writing for quite some time now before I went to school. Mm. Yeah, I've, writing was always my getaway. Like I remember as a kid just sitting in my grandmother's house, because I'm the only child, so mm-hmm. like, creative juices were always flowing and writing poems and that's the only way I feel like I can express myself is through writing I can make someone feel me through words instead of speaking it and that's just 
writing is a part of me. And you know, you you are not the first author that I've interviewed or within my little writing professional circuit who's who have whom have identified writing as a getaway, something that they knew that they could do, something that was basically innate to who they are as a person. Yeah. And I, I think that is amazing. I myself we go fight through these allergies. <laughs> my, I myself have been writing since I was about eight years old. And I know it was um, the she wrote herself, Audrey Lord, who said that there there will be portions of time where writers don't write. And it is heartbreaking because writing is like breathing. Yes. And when I uh, came across that quote, when I really started diving into her work, all I, when you when I discovered that quote, I'm thinking to myself, this is this is exactly it. This yeah. is this is exactly it because there is something, and I tell people all the time, there's something about these 26 letters I just gotta have. There's yeah. there's something about these 26 letters that I just have to have. And again, as you told our lovely listening audience that you are originally from New Orleans. Are you born and bred, or are you a transplant? Or I am born and bred. I never lived nowhere else except for Katrina I, when it was forced to move. Mm. I don't know. I I didn't know what snow crabs was because I'm so New Orleans. <laughs> oh, blue crabs. I was right. like, what those crabs with those long legs? I didn't know what that was. <laughs> not the not the blue crab. Don't yes. don't make them don't make them feel too bad, Kay. Don't make don't make them feel too bad. We we are about we are about so many weeks out of out of Mardi Gras. Don't make don't make them feel too bad, Kay. Don't make them feel too bad. Yeah. Don't feel too yep. bad. But you say your but you say your degree is actually in journalism. So have yeah. you act have you actually gotten to um really stretch that degree or or have you just been concentrating more on indie or on indie author um, projects so the funny thing is when I did go to school I didn't go for that it took mm-hmm. my English teacher to tell me you know he was like the first day of class he said um everybody write about their summer well little known unknown fact about me is I had a child at 15 so my summer was consistent of working and taking care of my kid mm-hmm. So I made up a whole bunch of stuff that I did for the summer and was very uh, detailistic about it and very creative. So at the end of class, he was like, so did you do any of this stuff? And I was like, no. He said, so you made all this up? I said, yes. He said, so what is your, what are you going to school for? I said, I don't know right now. I might be nursing. I'm just general studies right now. He said, I think you need to get into some creative writing of some sort. And I was like, writing? You don't make no money from that. <laughs> He said, well, you may not make a lot, but if that's your, if you're good at it and that's your passion, it would turn into something. So he walked me down to the counselor office that same day and I spoke to the counselor over that department of arts and I changed my major from there. And oh, wow. if it wasn't for him, I probably wouldn't have made it a career. I've, um, I've done radio. I've, I've done promotions and radio. Mm-hmm. I've done writing and uh freelance writing articles for people mm-hmm. um but the book the book actually came after katrina as therapeutic because i couldn't find family members and stuff so i needed something to occupy my mind in atlanta oh my being there by myself. so i um i started writing the book as many episodes like soap opera mm-hmm. 
and I convinced one of my best friends to come live down there because I didn't have nobody but just me and my son. Mm-hmm. So she came and she read it and she was like, this is something out of Terry McMillan. You need to make this into a book. And it turned into a book after that. It took me a while, though. It, it literally took me from 2006 to 2015 to actually finish it because of life, of course. Of course. But, and this actual cover that you guys have, the actual book that's out now, this is the second version of the same book because I am self-published and I, I, I wasn't... I didn't have any mentor or anyone to help me or guide me, so I made a few mistakes releasing the releasing it the first time. Mm-hmm. So I I decided to uh, take it down and change those mistakes and re-release it, and I re-released it in 2017. So this is the second version of this book. Yeah, and us and us on the writer's block, we make it a mission to be a place of that networking, that mentorship component, because the one reason, the galvanizing reason why this podcast exists is because I got tired of writers that look like me, that look like you, that just started quitting because there was nobody to help. Exactly. Or there was no, there was no one, there was no guiding hand. There was no light. There was no beacon. Nobody. No, I mean nobody. So I make it my business. If a writer reach out to me and say, can you read over this? Or what do you think about this? Like, which would, because one reached out and was like, what is a synopsis? And, you know, I broke it down to them. Mm-hmm. And they, if you reach out, I'm, I'm going to give you the, the free advice. I believe that the advice should be told, not sold, because nobody told me or helped me. Exactly. I completely agree. And there is a to piggyback on what you said, um, the lovely and dynamic Roxanne Gay said when she, I think she was on uh, the pocket, the luminary, a luminary podcast. And uh, she teaches, I didn't know that. And so she said that um, it was actually one of her instructors that taught her how to manage that intangible piece as it relates to being a writer, producing the work, but actually being able to go, go and be that professional to be that professional person as far as when you were in public, how to manage, how to market, how to network. So, and she also said this quote about um, that, again, that mentorship piece and component that's missing. She said, as Black, if we don't take care of each other, as we as in Black writers don't take care of each other, who will? Right. Nobody will. And when she, is- and, you know, when she said that, I'm thinking, you know, that was, again, one of those other moments as it relates to making media like this where you don't know who you might reach but the point is you have to keep going sometimes the work isn't just isn't just for you and And that's hard and it is and which is why um one of the reasons i am so passionate about what it is that i do and all that i do and the people who know me in real life and follow me on social media will always say oh Jen you know you're out here doing and moving and shaking I'm like because I understand that sometimes it's bigger than me it's bigger than me and uh, some people just some people just need space and some people just need help some people just need that reminder that okay just like you could be in this position by which you have a baby early but yet there's still a gift and praise God for teachers like the one that you had to be able to speak to the talent that you have 
for me, it was Miss uh, Constance Kelly. And I was eight years old and I was I wrote this like thing about the rain and gave it to her. And her exact quote to me was, you're good at this. You should keep writing. That's inspiring, especially as a kid, like somebody seeing something in you that you don't even see. Like, I didn't see writing as nothing. I never saw writing as a future. Right. But, but that teacher to see that in you, that's inspiring. You know, they, that's motivating. It is. And speaking of motivating, you live in one of the most dynamic cities on the face oh. of the planet. You, you live in like the, you live in the epicenter of, let me just love on your city right quick. You live, <laughs> you live in a place where there is culture, where there is drama, where there is, a, it's, it has been a backdrop to one of my favorite TV shows ever, The Vampire Diaries, shouts to Ian Summerhalder, aka Damon Salvatore. Yeah. Girl. But he he's just nice looking. But, but no, and then there's, you know, we don't, we won't even talk about the food and the architecture and everything else because uh, my, my, uh, my family is actually from Mississippi. So okay. we're like, right, we're like right there. Mm. so look look don't look we can't tell them all our secrets but i know right? we can't tell them all our secrets <laughs> but there is a and having visited the city more than once <clears throat> and i've always said this there is a there is a magic to new orleans and that and you can't even explain it to people and it's not no it's a there's there's a magic there there's, there's um there's a it's and it's beyond a root. There's you know, as the as the old folks say, it's something in, it's something in the water. So the water. do you find do you find it easier to write when you're home, or because I, I know you said that your current work, uh, again, one of a trilogy. You said you wrote that you know in the midst of transition with with Katrina, and the fact that you were able to channel all of that into this work is amazing and, and almost and almost a separate issue but we're gonna put a pin in there for we're gonna put a pin in there for the moment but do you but do you did you find it easier to write while you were in exile as it were or is it easier to write when you're home because of everything that you're around um honestly i can write anywhere i just need quietness mm-hmm. and the fact that I was alone in Atlanta, mm-hmm. it gave me a lot of time to myself. So I, I, it, it started off easy there. When I came back home, it became my life routine again, mm-hmm. figuring things out. So it became distractive. And so I think it was probably easier to, to do it away because I'm not distracted as much away as I am at home. There's so much I, I had to do when I came home, so much went on when I came home like I had to figure out how where I was going to live at that's why it took me so long to finish it Mm -hmm. life was at a standstill in Atlanta where I could just sit and think and listen Mm -hmm. and let words come to me and and be creative and have dreams and imagine and take in my environment Mm -hmm. when I came home it looked like a desert it looked like something out of uh, a zombie movie Mm -hmm. So it took me a minute to get back in my writing groove because I did have writer's block for quite some time. And then family came and then life came and marriage came and kids came and found family and family moved back in. So I had to make it a 
dedicate myself to finishing it. It's, and when I was in Atlanta, I just did it. Like I tell my kids now, if I could leave for two weeks, I <laughs> like I just need two weeks to finish this second book. I'm almost at the end. I, I just need that. I completely time. understand. I completely, I completely so, understand. Yeah, but my book, the inspiration behind it does come from New Orleans because that's what I know. Right. That's all I know. So yeah, that's the inspiration. My city, my culture, my love for my city. Mm-hmm. Even when I was in Atlanta, I was missing the culture. Right. I was missing our second lines. I was missing our Mardi Gras and the seasoning of our food it's just not the spices of the it was the seasoning of it and how it's prepared mm-hmm. like all that's part of the culture and when people ask me what makes new orleans special i say it's the people that's from here what you mean <laughs> can you say baby like we say baby <laughs> never we make it special exactly so, yeah i find it easier to write away though it, it is easier to write away less distraction well to to be fair Kay, you did have a horrible traumatic life event that you could that that was totally beyond your control and and from that you had that you have this work you have this rich work which is again which i find especially with black writers there is something about us that when chaos come that we almost pull it in digest it and spit it right back out i didn't know my strength until then you're so right uh there is um like with um the again the work that i'm that i do the flint the mentorship that actually starts on the 15th of this month there are things that I, again, if you give me two weeks off, I could I could get all kind I can get all kinds of stuff done because I too am a work a working mama and doing stuff. And I'm like, D- I wish somebody would just give me a day where don't nobody call my name and I could probably do the same thing. It, right. But as far as being again in one of the most often visited cities in the in the free world, I would think that it would offer you some additional peace of mind. You know what I'm saying? As far as you can literally walk through your city and be like, you know what, I'm gonna put this here, put this here, put this here, put this here, almost like Anne Rice does with her with her uh, with her books. I know for um, for uh, Merrick and for uh, when she and she, when she also wrote the uh, Mayfair Witches trilogy because you know Anne is from New Orleans. Yeah, yeah. So when so when she places when she places things just how she describes them it's almost like she's walking you down it's almost like she's walking you down canal and like okay no turn here we're gonna look here okay and this like this it's just it's this specific cafe she would say that rowan mayfair went and look parenthetical citation y'all just google rowan mayfair close citation because <laughs> uh, i'm not gonna give up i'm gonna give up everything i'm off i'm all for um y'all finding out your own self and getting your own library together but there's a, a specific, I think it's the Rainbow Room or another uh, cafe that she said that Rowan frequented and it's actually a real place. So do you find, again, being home again, now being in a, again, and being home and being able to walk your reader viscerally through the world that you create based in the world that you know, do you find that as a comfort or a skill? 
a little bit of both mm. because it's a familiar area mm-hmm. and it's something that's familiar to me so I, it's, it's easy to do mm. but also is a way of doing it that makes it a skill so it's a little bit of both and I see like a, a lot of people don't know like Bourbon Street, French Court area is a lot of sex trafficking and my book has some of that in there and that it was inspired from Bourbon Street mm-hmm. seeing these real life pimps out there and knowing some girls that were out there in that world so it, it is a little bit of both it's a little bit of both kind of yeah. kind of like the kind of like the uh, veil and unveiling like I'm gonna show you I'm gonna show you better than I could tell you but if you want to look it's over there you know exactly uh, exactly because growing up growing up in st louis um it's it's a uh, kind of the same thing because there there are certain portions of the city that are very historic that are very historical that are very old and uh, there are certain parts of the city that are just gritty <clears throat> and i had a kind of parents that tried to shelter me from that but it's st louis so you know kind of what can you do um not to mention, I have family that evacuated there and still live there, and they love it there. Really? Yes. I don't know what part, because I've never been there, but yes. They are there. They love it there. They've been there, and they're not coming back. Ooh, I don't, are, I, don't, I, don't I don't, I don't know, because I, if, if, uh, <laughs> I don't know. Um, <laughs> if you, if you let me tell it, let me, mm, no, I'm, I'm, no, no, baby. I just gotta go. I just gotta go. I just gotta go. Um, but, let us examine your pro tag because the, the synopsis had the synopsis had me hooked because I'm like this oh. I'm like this is about to be dope <laughs> this is a, this is about to be good and just and, and even with you saying that again you used your real life experience your real life knowledge as a native a native and a and a daughter of New Orleans to go ahead and walk your readers through what happens to truth let us let us walk in your world a little bit what i know you said that the uh, work was birthed out of you know you being in exile being in transition after katrina and just needing something to kind of occupy your mind for a minute and also exercise the gift that you have so as it relates to truth what was the what was because it it looks like she was fun to write a little bit so let us how did how did truth come from your from the um cloud of your mind as it were to the pages by which for us to enjoy <laughs> I'm laughing because everybody thinks truth that knows me they think truth is me oh and it's yeah but it's not <laughs> I would say that they think it's me because of the way I describe her but the events that she went through is totally fiction all of it's fiction but right the way that I the her dialogue the way she speak her attitude all that personality, the people that know me and my family, they really swear that it's me. Mm. But I must say that it's not me. And I really just drew from people that I knew. Inspiration from just the type of people I knew. Like, we, are, we got a lot of Creole people here. So that's why that's how I described her. Mm-hmm. And that's all I have in my family mostly is Creole people on my daddy's side. Oh, wow. So... Yeah, so that's that's the way I described her comes from that experience and um, the the ex boyfriend Saeed, it, he comes from just a, a different men that I knew in that I know in New Orleans. That's just how some of the some of them are, and their attitudes and the way they carry themselves. It's just a different swag mm-hmm. that we have. 
I could point somebody out from New Orleans in the mall out of town like I did in Atlanta. Like I really did. Just by the way they was walking. Oh my. And oh. yeah, it's a it's a whole different sway. And like the other characters, like I coined it urban literature with a twist because it's street fiction mixed with spiritualness. Mm. So this city is based off of Catholicism. So there's a lot of Catholic people here and a lot of Catholic religion here and a lot of Catholic holidays here. Mm-hmm. But I'm not Catholic, but that's the, that's how the city is. Right. So spiritualness is what I am more than religion. So the spiritualness comes from me all the way. Mm-hmm. But um, every all the other characters are just basic people that I... I've been around or I'm inspired by or I took a little from this person and a little from that person and combined one person. So I am inspired by everybody and everything that's around me in New Orleans. Mm-hmm. I visit other cities. Like I took the plot to New York because I've been there. I can't talk about something I ain't never been to, even though it's fiction. You still have to do research on fiction. Exactly. And yeah, a lot of people think you don't. So I, I took New York because I've been there before. Mm-hmm. So that's a the other city in the story but mostly I've tried to um just basically feel like I want you to know at least one of them characters feel like you can relate to one of these characters and hopefully by the third book everybody will get the message because the message is not clear in the first book I, I like to do things that has messages in it without you knowing that you even reading the message which yeah. which still which still is a testament to your talent. Um, our departed uh, Tony Morrison said that the strength one of the strengths of a writer is when they can mist they can mystify the they can mystify the fam- they can mystify the familiar and make the strange more accessible. Wow, that's um, Where they where yeah, I'm sure I missed a portion of that quote, but it go it it basically describes the the real power that a writer has is it can be seen when they can mystify the familiar and make the familiar strange or make the familiar strange. Um, mm. So again, which I tell people all the time that writing is both the skill and a talent because, yeah. because when you go, when you go to school, especially in public school, you know, that you get the basic components, you know, you, you get introduced to these 26 letters. You know, not everybody falls in love with that. I fell in love with that when people when I was taught how this instrument, um, this because uh, in uh, St. Louis they give you the when I started school in eighty in eighty six, you had this uh, red primary pencil, and they made you wrap your hand around that and write and write your name, write your letters every day. I fell in love with the fact that my hand could write could I could make my hand do what I wanted it to do oh. not that it was not that it was alien because you know of course you know uh, those of us who are blessed to have all activities of our limbs and you know you can make your hands do anything but the fact that you were that I was actually learning the language by which I could speak and then could take those 26 letters and then say what I wanted to say there, there was something like that I just had to have and there was no stopping me after that and I think that that same love I see in your work. I see in how you can how you constructed truth. And and even though 
the one thing that I that I must say and you know put an asterisk put an asterisk around, I don't like the term urban literature. I don't like that. I don't I don't I don't like that. I don't like hood lit. I don't like any of that. Because to me, it's still it's still your work. It's still your work. Don't I don't like when authors who are black are automatically relegated to this has to be urban literature. Now that's not a yeah. that's not a dig to anybody who has made their living off quote urban literature. I'm saying I don't like that term urban literature because to me it's coded language for just black people gonna read this. Just black people, and you know that's crazy because like I said I didn't have a mentor and I'm self published. So when I went under Amazon to pitch the category, mm-hmm. I want I wanted African American literature. Right. They it under urban literature and when I looked up their definition of urban literature I couldn't put it under nothing else I didn't like that definition so I figured in my bio I would just say I'm creating my own lane because I never read nothing that I'm writing before mm-hmm. so I think it's just literature but of course the world wants to put you in a box and they want to put a category on you and I had to pick one but I just wanted to be African American literature or just literature that's it and I couldn't do that. And they wouldn't let me do that. And I was kind of disappointed in that. So I started just figuring out, well, I'm creating my own lane. They don't, I don't really see a book like this out there that has this, that reaches the mat, you know, has this, this urban, or uh, well, this, this talk the way I'm talking in it, mm-hmm. along with a spiritual message mm-hmm. out there. I, I haven't read it there. I'm not saying that they don't, but I haven't read one like it yet. So I felt like, I wasn't supposed to be in the box, but they wanted to put me in the box. And I don't like being in the box. I'm a Pisces. I am not a box. <laughs> I mean, I, I, mean I mean, just by virtue of where you grew up, it defies a box. Yeah. It, you, <laughs> and uh, again, one of those things that, uh, that comes along with being, you know, black and black and female and writer, you um, automatically, no matter where you at, you're at, you're automatically in an intersection. Yeah. No matter where, if, even even they quote unquote take off the black, you're still a you're still a female writer. Yeah. If they even take out the yeah. female, you're still a black writer. No matter where you are, you're at you're all you're at an intersection. I've learned in self because I'm self published also, is that as you create, you almost have to forget that there's a box. Otherwise, you will never write. Yeah. You never write. Okay. Um, again, the the, the dynamic. And wonderful mother oracle Nikki Giovanni said, "If you if you write like somebody looking over your shoulder, you'll never write anything. Huh. You'll you'll never write anything." And um, the fact that you wrote truth and made her complex, I think that type of writing, as it relates to, uh, let's just put it out there for quote unquote urban urban literature for African American literature, that is needed, especially in the time frame that we are that we're in now. Because so often black women, especially uh, whom are not written by black women, are relegated to these like two dimensional characters. You know, she's yeah. uh, delegated as, you know, the mammy or the sapphire or the wench or the tragic one or the or the one who just uh, needs a man. The one who, j- you know, you have this you have this lack of deep pro- protags. And, um, oh, yeah. you know, and Viola Davis said that, you know, in her Hollywood reporter interview that, you know, stop taming us. 
And when she said that I, and when she said that I Baptist church, Baptist church hollered. (laughs) Because that's what they do. We have to be a certain person and not my character. She's going to be the boss. She's going to be the independent person. She's going to be the multitasker. She's going to be everything that she wants to be. And she's not going to be what you think she should be. And I'm not, I'm not doing that. And when I finish this trilogy, I'm going to lead into something else from this book with one of the other characters that is going to go on a whole different journey. But I'm going to take you on a journey and give you a message and hope that you can relate to any of this at the same time so you could feel like you could be empowered as well or you could get, get out this situation because truth be told, she's being sex trafficked in this book mm-hmm. and she doesn't know it and doesn't realize it in, 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 in the life that she comes from. She doesn't know that. That's what that is. So, you know, a lot of black girls, I know that I grew up when I'm 41 years old. They were in the same situation and they didn't know they was being sex trafficked either. They just thought this just what it was or they had to do this. Mm-hmm. And that's not what it was. So and, and, well, as long as I write my characters, females, they're going to be high positioned out the box what the society thinks that a black woman shouldn't be. Exactly. Which is why I am anticipating everything that comes from this book and who says that you can't do exactly what you want to do with her which again I admonish to any writer who follows me any writer that emails me or you know Jen I just need your support right quick for something that I'm that I'm doing what I tell what I tell them is what I tell my tribe is take the handcuffs off take the handcuffs off yeah. You have to be able when you create a character who, who you know, let's just let's just pull it out there because those my uh, my adopted brother calls me Shonda Rhimes. So, you know, <laughs> so let's just pull let's just pull on Mother Shonda right quick for people whom write who write and write such dynamic characters as an Annalise Keaton or an Olivia Pope. You have you have to be able to be in a mind frame that says I am not going to let the world around me dictate the world I create. Yeah. I'm not going to let the world around me dictate the world that, that I am literally creating. Word by word, line by line, brick by brick, as it were. This is not going to dictate. And there's a, a really good friend in the show. Her name is Tanya Thompson. She works, um, she actually creates the horror podcast, Nightlight. And um, I submitted something for her podcast um, again, because I'm like, this is a black woman out here moving and shaking and doing. Let me go ahead and support her. And I didn't, I didn't even think she would she would pick the work I did, but she did. You know, that was which which was dope. And uh, but she's and she's amazing. All the information for Nightlight will be in the show notes. But she and I were talking because she likes to talk to the authors who submit. So she and I actually got around to speaking of dynamic women female characters whom are black. We actually talked about the Vampire Diaries. One of those, mm. one of those um, people that we thought the writers could have done so much better with is Bond. Mm. We thought that the writers for the show could have done Bonnie so much better. We thought they, kept they could, they, they, because it was easier. See what I'm saying? So here we go. Here we go with the tropes. You have you have her as this 
magical Negro, as Tanita Reeve says. You have you have her be in this it relegated to this position, and only kind of take her out when need be. But we, but I understand that this it, the the series wasn't just based on her. I get that she was, but she was an integral part. You know, I love that they. I love that the writers gave her a happy ending with Enzo and everything. That's dope. But as a but as a black girl, seeing that, and a black girl that writes, first thing is why you got to do my girl like this? <laughs> like why, yeah, why you got to right. do why you gotta do my girl like this? Right. Like why you got to keep doing my girl like this? Why did why does she have to keep enduring trauma to have something? You know why? Because they feel like in a lot of people think black women, which is we are strong, we can take anything, we bounce back from anything. We, you know, they always want to put that on us, mm-hmm. and we're human just like everybody else. We get tired, we get weak, we need help, we we want support, but society sees us as these strong, bearing women that's always angry or doing, you know, something like that, but. That's the category y'all put us in. We are much more than that. Again, much more than that. Right, and which again, you know, stop, stop taming us. Stop taming us. Like again, at the end of the, you know, spoiler, you know, at the end of the Vampire Diaries, you know, Bonnie's whole, Bonnie's whole line helps her to close his hell mouth. To me, as a black girl who grew up, you know, reading scary stories and things like that, that whole scene was dynamic. The fact that they, yeah. the fact they gave her that was powerful. I mean, it, it was powerful. The fact that whomever wrote that wrote that scene thought enough of her to give her that was amazing. I wonder if somebody um, of color was in the writing room that was just tired I hope and so. was like, "Listen, you know, we I hope. do more for her." You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Somebody up finally at the end. You know, maybe. Because they do need more people of color in these in these writing rooms, and I thought about writing, submitting stuff to be a writer for TV shows and stuff. But mm-hmm. then I, thought, I want to make my own. I want to make my own show. Exactly. I want my own show. I want truth to be a show. It don't. It it could be like a TV series when I'm done with this trilogy. Mm-hmm. Like I I want to do my own and hire people that I know that will be as passionate about it as I will and can relate and not relate because I do need different ideas but I want to see people of color in my work room because growing up I was the token black girl living in New Orleans in the restaurant industry or hospitality industry I was a token black girl Mm. and I knew it the only black girl in that position and it was crazy but I took advantage of that though I, I didn't even pity on that I made it excuse my language i made being a token black girl my bitch mm-hmm. i basically definitely took advantage of that whole situation as being that token black girl they they, they would smile in my face and they'll hire me and this and that but i knew what i was mm-hmm. and i took that and ran with it and made it more than what they thought i was shocked all of them and sometimes you have and sometimes you have to do that and yeah. and sometimes um, even in doing that, that that is where you can really get your craft together as far as it relates to people watching. Yes, as far as like the, to to people watching and learning accents, you know, being able to be visible and in, being visible or invisible in certain spaces. Yeah, I mean the the one thing that people uh, trip out about me is that there are not a whole lot of black girls named Jennifer. 
So you don't. So you don't. So you don't know that because when I submit my resume to you, you know, you don't. You don't know exactly what you get until I come in there. Yeah. And uh, as far as it relates to you know the dream that you just hinted at 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 the potential you see in truth, can you give us? a little bit of what the second book is going to be about. We know the first book is, you know, truth is going through these changes. You know, she's been displaced. She comes back, you know, there's love, there's love, there's loss. And the first book had me thinking, oh man, because I'm like, now, now, now I'm invested. Now, now I got to figure out, you know, because I'm like, now, now I'm in here with her. Like, sis, what we going to, what is we going to do? <laughs> sis what is we gonna do who we got uh, it can't be like this oh, yeah. can't be like this so, so I just give you one word for the second book revenge ooh see this, revenge. this is which again this is going to be lit so when did you when did you I know that most writers don't necessarily don't necessarily sometimes have the immediate thought that the book that they're working on is going to be a trilogy or part or part of a or part of a particular series. When you wrote the first, now we can refer to it as the first book. Did you have that sense, or did you just feel that truth had more to say? I kind of knew I wanted it to be a three-part series, a trilogy. I really did because I I don't like writing. Um, too much of a long book, but I need you to be interested in the turn pages. Mm. I need it to be unpredictable, and I need I love leaving cliffhangers. Mm. Love it. So I kind of knew I wanted to make it out of three books from the beginning. Mm. But what I didn't know is how I was going to make these books. <laughs> like my process is not an outline process. I just write and let the story take its own life it comes to life on its own yes as i'm writing i don't have a um a outline process or uh, any of that or a plot process i just write and let it come out however it comes out i need to see it as i'm writing it i need to see this as a movie i need to see every scene i need to be able to bring the reader into the scene as if they're there in the background watching this as it plays out mm. so that's how i write and I, I really don't do rough draft as much as people have the idea of a rough draft, writing it and then going back and rewriting it. I don't really do that. I just keep writing until I finish. And I may edit it along the way. But once I've got the story on the paper, that's the story. I don't change it. Mm. That's just what it is. I don't go back and change as far as the plot or any scenes or anything. I don't change it. I might explain it more and go in more details, but I don't change anything. I just get it edited. I read over it. I edit. Did someone edit it? Because my editing eye is crap. <laughs> I'm not even going to lie. <laughs> but yeah, I, that's my process. And I knew I wanted to take, after this trilogy, once I started writing the end, of, almost I think to the end of the uh, this first book, I realized I wanted to take one of these characters. I mainly her sister Frankie mm -hmm. and that another book mm. called Frankie as well so Frankie's gonna have her own series or her own book she's gonna probably have her own series Ooh. that's what I'm leaning you, so I really want to play on her character because now she's a teenager and she's seeing all this and she's involved in it with her sister mm -hmm. by the time the third book comes she's gonna be involved 
to a point to where she's going to want more and she's been exposed to so much. So it's going to play a part of who she becomes. So I'm definitely going to take her and, and put her somewhere else. And then I want to adventure into children's books mm. because my daughter, she's a, uh, she likes to write and she draws. Mm. So I want to help her write a book as well. So I do want to do children's books in a similar kind of way where it's a story and a message, but it reaches, is not in a box mm-hmm. for children. Like it can reach a different uh, ages more than we're like saying, you know, they tell us to pick from five to 12 or whatever age group they're going to be in. Well, I want it to be versatile enough that it don't have to be like that and very um, relatable as well. Everything has to be relatable. I think that is dynamic. I think that the Thank fact you. that you have just that much faith in your vision to be like, nope, we don't do drafts. I just need to go ahead and get this out right quick. Look, read over that. Okay, cool. Any grammatical errors, whatever, whatever, whatever. But the plot is, but the plot is what it is. And then you just commit. That is yes. that is commendable. That is that is some bold writing, ma'am. And I am, I am graced to be on the ground floor of what I am sure is about to be um, quite amazing. So I look, I look forward to everything that truth has coming the worlds that you are creating and even with you setting up legacy with your daughter coming into her own and you speaking to her and you speaking to her gifts and talents and skills and abilities. That is, that is, that is amazing. And fabulous, unsinkable K Brown, what and where can people find you on social media? They can find me mostly on Instagram at real underscore K K A Y underscore Brown at on Instagram. And that's real underscore K underscore Brown. Mm. And they can find my book on Amazon and Kindle. Awesome. It has been a joy to speak to speak to you today, Kay. I am I'm excited for what you're about to do. And you can you can consider Jen Harris and the Writer's Block and the listening audience to be fans of your work. So whenever you want to come back and speak to us about the new things that you're doing, the new books, the new series, or what's pop or what's popping off uh, for uh, Mardi Gras as we plan a writer's retreat, because trust that oh. that that's that's that's, that's coming also. I need one of those. I really do. I, I've been looking at these writers' retreats, but um, the timing hasn't been right when I see them. But I really want to go on one. I want to see what it's about, the seclusion, mm-hmm. interact with like-minded people because I don't have a, a writer's uh, group around me. Mm-hmm. I, I really need that. That's support. I, I always wanted to go on one of those. So there- And you could definitely believe that you have a new audience member listening to this lovely podcast because I did listen to it so I am a new member of this show oh I I thank you for being part of the tribe and and rocking with us I thank you Kay Um, and again to the listening audience I must admonish you to support black writers go ahead and follow the magnanimous the again the as I will call her from from here to eternity the unsinkable Kay Brown at real Kay Brown on on in, on Instagram and make sure that you pick up a copy of Truth of Truth Love on Kindle and I believe it's also on Kindle Unlimited 
and pick up a copy and pick up a copy on Amazon. Because again, here at the Writer's Block Podcast, we love supporting Black artists. We love supporting Black writers. And we exist to be a light, a flame, and a beacon to those of us of this guild who, again, there's something about these 26 letters we just have to have. So I, yeah. so I think I thank I thank you, Kay, and I look forward to the rest of your work. I I bless you and have a great day. Thank you so much. No, have a bl- great day too. Thank and thank you, thank you, thank you. Well, my fellow storytellers, oracles, and other writing troublemakers, it is that time again for me to leave you to your thoughts and words. Remember to follow the Writer's Block podcast on social media. You can find us at the Writer's Block Official on Instagram and the Writer's Block Podcast on Facebook. If you are interested in advertising with us, would like a book to be recommended, or know an indie author who needs more shine, make sure, pretty please, to email us at circlethewritersblock at gmail.com. Special thanks to Valor Music LLC based out of San Antonio, Texas for all audio production and mixing. Remember, you have the power to bend blank pages to the will of your pen. See you all again next time when we circle the block.